welcome to Inspiration from the Couch. I'm Avery. I'm Jamie. And I'm Lucy. We are psychologists and moms. Join us as we discuss what we've figured out, what we've yet to figure out, and what there's just no figuring out. It's sure to be fun, and you may be inspired along the way. Hello, this is Avery, and I wanted to share with you that we are so excited to announce that we have received our first email. We are so excited to hear from one of our listeners some feedback about our podcast and the impact it's had on our listeners, and we're just super, super excited. So please keep those coming. We would love to hear from you. We would love any feedback that you may have, any way that we could make inspiration from the couch better, and we just just love to hear from you guys. Hello, everyone. Today, we are starting our series on relationships, which will run from roughly the end of January to the end of February. And we're going to be talking about various things having to do with romantic relationships, such as developing closeness and intimacy, making requests, fighting fair, and dun, 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 sex. <laughs> <laughs> so tune in for that. So I thought today we would just start off really broadly and discuss kind of the state of partnering, marriage, divorce in the United States today, and then move into some other more specific topics. So Avery, Lucy, what do you think? What are your views on love, marriage, partnering in the U.S. today? Where do you think we are regarding these topics? I think the biggest thing I'm aware of in my practice is just how much the landscape is changing. I think I happen to meet my husband in person and that I, that almost never happens now, I think. I mean, like dating is is so much more online. I mean, there's just, I'm just very aware that even though it doesn't feel like it's been that long since I was dating, the landscape has changed so dramatically that, and it just kind of keeps changing is kind of the way I feel about it now. You're just speaking of it, it's kind of funny. I had like a friend whose sister-in-law was in town and she's single and is dating. And it was so intriguing to like, look at her, what was like hinge or like, what are those, whatever okay, sites Cupid and, yeah. where you like do the and swiping yeah. and like, it was a little overwhelming yeah. because there's like lots of things to yeah. swipe or to try to manage or to be navigating. And I know over time I've had clients talk about like, it's just a little overwhelming sometimes. Like it's almost current. like a job. Yeah. I mean, yeah. it, yes. it, it almost feels like a decision that people make like, okay, I'm dating and that's going to require a certain amount of effort and time and like focus that we didn't really, I mean, I didn't really ever have to contend with. It was like, I'm single. And so I'm kind of open, like whatever, like I'm open to meet people. It, it was not like a task I had to, to do like yeah. that. Yeah. And it's very different from like, say, for example, you know, the movie You've Got Mail with yeah. Meg Ryan and yeah. <laughs> Tom Hanks when I was starting out, you know, yeah. they were on AOL yeah. and communicating that way, which to me is sort of similar to, you know, how people would exchange letters and those sorts of things oh, in the yeah. past. But yes, it's very different being in the digital age that we're yeah. in and all of the choices, like it feels like it's limitless almost, which can be very anxiety provoking yeah. and paralyzing, I think, to, to some of of the individuals that I see. Exactly. Yeah. And and I think it's it can be a hard thing to relate to people ab- around. I think that I was reading the other day that our generation, we're all about the same age, is called the Jordan Catalano generation. Did you all ever watch My So-Called Life? Uh-huh, yes. Okay, so Jordan Catalano was like the love interest. It was Jared Leto. 
had such a crush on him in high school. But basically that we were the last generation that like didn't have social media in college. We were the last generation that didn't, that maybe our first email addresses were our college email addresses. And I'm having a, a very similar feeling about this too, that we were kind of at the tail end of people that did not only meet online. Like right. when we were dating, online dating was kind of like a, uh, it was around, but it wasn't really something that was like that yeah, big a part of the scene maybe. And now it's like the way you meet people. Right. I think before there was honestly like a little bit of stigma Correct. around meeting people online, but Correct. now it's just so like, it's like the only way typical. to do it. Right. Yeah. Right. Or the yeah. big way to do it. Yeah. And I think as a culture, we are obsessed with this idea of love without really knowing kind of how to do it. So mm-hmm. if you think about like what we see on TV, you know, like The Bachelor, The Bachelorette, <sighs> yeah. you know, Temptation Island, you know, just all, yeah. all of these different love sorts at of... Love sight. Yeah, yeah. All of that. <laughs> all of those sorts of things. And then like, you know, we have the wedding industry, which is like $40 mm-hmm. billion dollars and so yeah i think it it just really shows like how into it we are but i I don't know that we are the greatest at knowing how to do that knowing how to do relationships here's what's so fascinating to me when i think about relationships and romantic relationships it's a little bit of i don't know if we call like historic timeline to it right so esther perel who's a relationship Mm -hmm. guru and she's got a podcast she's got two great books mating and captivity and then the state of affairs Mm -hmm. but her, you know, she kind of explains this too. And I think other people talk about it, but you go back not too many years ago, like less than a hundred years ago. And like people didn't marry for love, right? So coupling wasn't done around love. It was more pragmatic. Decisions were being made. It was more about respect. And I do think there's Power. been, yeah, all kinds of, of other mm-hmm. things. And I think there's been this big shift where we want our significant other to be our everything. So a lot of pressure gets put on the romantic relationship, right? Like you should be fiery and steamy and passionate. You should be my best friend and I should be able to tell you everything. Like we want so (laughs) much from one person. And and they talk about too, at the same time, a lot of our greater, I guess, social constructs, like opportunities to kind of connect with other people have kind of fallen apart, right? Mm. So you think of maybe like in the 50s where people were more in neighborhoods and you talk to your neighbors Mm -hmm. or people were parts of churches or other organizations. There's a lot of loneliness and kind of separation and isolation, which puts even more pressure on this romantic relationship. Yeah, Mm. absolutely. And those are really good points. When I was doing research for this podcast and looking at reasons for marriage, back in the 1930s, love was number five. The fifth one. Yeah. All of the things that you said, economic reasons, political reasons, familial reasons, social reasons, all of those ranked above love. But finally, by the time the 1990s rolled around, did we see love top the list for both men and women? So yes, absolutely. Things have, have changed over time. And, and one of the hypotheses about the divorce rate in the United States is because, like you were saying, we have overburdened marriage with all of mm. these unrealistic and overly romantic expectations, right? That you have in your partner. They're, they have to be sort of your, your everything. And so that can definitely cause difficulties in, in relationships. And I think alongside of that, we live in a very consumer-centric and, and instant gratification. So this idea, if I don't like something, I can just trade up, right, and get something better really quickly. And so there's, I and mean, we talk about with the swiping and the online dating, and there are all these options, but the sense that the choices are limitless and that all of my needs should be met in these very specific ways. Yeah. yeah. Aziz Ansari is a comedian, and he has this whole like little 
thing on that. Like if yes. it's going to take me an hour and a half to find the best taco in my zip code so that I can eat tacos yes. for lunch, like how much time could it possibly take to find the best mate? Because it feels all the same. It's all right on my computer and I have to find the best. And it's, it's this idea of like, there is a best out there and I need to find it. And I keep kind of wanting to level up. And, you know, when we're dealing with tacos, that may be one thing, but when we're dealing with like complicated human creatures that are like yeah. not going to be perfect. Right. Like that there's just a constant, like, wanting to better like level up like you said yeah right and i think you know we know science tells us that we're social animals and so we need to have other people it's good for our mental health our physical health our emotional health the quality of the relationships matter though Mm. so when we have negative relationships they literally undermine our health emotionally physically you know it affects us in all different ways it affects our blood pressure our hormones our immune system our ability to heal from injury depression anxiety all of those things so the quality of the relationship is really what matters. And so if you look at people dissolving their relationships, the divorce rate, it's still hovering around 40 to 50%, which in the world is the third highest. We have the third highest divorce rate here. What are one and two? One and two are the Maldives and Belarus. I don't know why. No clue. But that's what that is. Okay. <laughs> so, and something else that was really fascinating is the average length of marriage in the United States is just over eight years. That's it. Really? Yeah. It it's is. like that seven-year itch, right? <laughs> yeah. I was thinking. Yeah. And if you live in Nevada and Oklahoma, they've got the highest rates of divorce versus Illinois and Louisiana have the lowest. I don't know why, but huh, that's, their, that's their, their stats. And as I said on a previous podcast, most people file for divorce in January, actually between January and March. So right, hunker down, people. Yeah, I know. I mean, if only we were in Oklahoma, we'd be like in the most dangerous part, right? Uh-huh. Most, one of the most dangerous countries, one of the most dangerous for divorce. Yeah. Yeah. Times of year. It is. And if you are married more than once, it's the divorce rate doesn't go down. Actually, it goes up a lot higher. So, you know, first marriage is 40 to 50%. Second marriages, stats show that increases to 67%. And then if you get married again, the divorce rate is 75%. So the third time is not clearly the charm when it comes to having a happy marriage. Yeah, yeah. So so that's just some of the, the mm. statistics. So we, we mentioned kind of the, the burden that partners can feel because of all the roles that we expect from them. What are some other reasons for divorce that you all hear about? What are your thoughts on that? I mean, I think about there are these big like stressors in a relationship. I think one time that is really stressful is when a baby comes and that there's like the, just a change in the dynamic of the relationship. And so I hear a lot of that like shifting of roles can be a real I had a friend stressful time. who yeah. would say that she doesn't think anyone with children under the age five should be allowed to get divorced, right? Because <laughs> that's just a saying, smart like, idea. Just to give yourself it a minute. Time. Yeah, because it, it is like everything has to rearrange and then it can settle, but I think it, it often doesn't. I mean, maybe it's not given the opportunity to, but that feels like a big time that, that shifts. I think another big time is at the end of that kind of child rearing when ch- children leave the house. Right. And maybe this is kind of people like staying together you for, know, for the, the kids. kids. Yeah. yeah. But those feel like just in my practice or just kind of in my like, I don't know, awareness around like those seem like big bursts of divorce is when kids come and when kids leave. Mm hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And then the number one reason actually that people cite for getting divorced is incompatibility. Basic incompatibility mm-hmm. is what they state. And then, like you said, Avery, parenting differences and other things like 
addiction, abuse, infidelity, sure. Oh, sure. all of those things sure. are extremely relevant. I just have to say, too, I think when we started this conversation, I just observed inside myself that I was thinking of divorce as like a bad thing. Like, oh, we don't want the rates to be high. Like, it should be lower. We should work on staying in marriages or creating happy relationships. And I do think creating good relationships is great. But I also think that there's probably been some benefit to people feeling sure. free to be divorced. Right. Right. You have those societal factors about kind of women in particular having jobs or feeling more stable or like they could leave rather than being stuck, getting out of abusive relationships, like all these really good reasons why divorce may not be such a a bad thing. Always. I think you bring up a really good point. And and one thing I wanted to just really quickly mention, I got this idea in the book that we're going to review here in a few weeks. But at the very beginning of the book, she says, let me locate myself and kind of just tells the reader a little bit about herself to kind of inform the reader about kind of the lens through which she sees the world. And I wonder if we might want to do that too, is that we're, we're all three in very similar marriage situations, meaning that we've been married for over a decade. I've been married 17 years. And I think both of you guys have been married. Jamie's been married like what? 25. (laughs) We met when we were children. No, no, yeah, it'll be 24 years this coming August. That's awesome. That's incredible. It's crazy. We were babies. So 24 years, 17 years, and then you 17. Mm -hmm. And so we're, we're coming from that lens. I think that we, that's our life experience. We certainly have heard other experiences in our offices and just being in the world, but that's kind of what we're coming to this conversation with. So, Mm -hmm. yeah. And so, Yes, I think Lucy, kind of to circle back to what you were saying, I think there in the past for sure was a whole lot of stigma around divorce. You know, I've, and I think still to some degree there is less now than there, Mm -hmm. there was back then. But like I was saying earlier in the, in the podcast, you know, distress in a relationship really, really affects your health. And so for some people, for the sake of their health, you know, they've, have to terminate relationships. Right. Yeah. So one of the things that I thought we would shift into is just to talk about how relationships form just really broadly, really generally. And, you know, if we think about relationships as kind of like these love stories, we usually have these main chapters that are included in that story. So the first phase is what's called the early idealization phase. So this is when you first meet, you first start really getting, you know, you're attracted to one another, you begin to to fall in love. And so this phase is what really predominates. And so what stands out to you most is that, you know, you feel like your partner is just, they're extraordinary and they're awesome. And so he or she, they're the, the funniest, smartest, sexiest kind of individual that you you meet. And What's really funny to me is that there are actual neurochemical changes in your brain, right? So research shows us that the brain of somebody who is falling in love resembles the the brain to someone who might be addicted to drugs or actually who is somebody that's struggling with OCD. So obsessive compulsive disorder. So yes, there are so many things. So what happens is when you first meet someone and you have that attraction, your body is just saturated with all of these hormones and neurochemicals that make you feel really excited and attentive and interested and even maybe like slightly anxious. And, you know, they're not things that come out of nowhere. These are the chemicals that have existed in you forever Mm -hmm. you were born with. And so what happens is that you've got these chemicals. And then when you meet this individual, they are the catalyst for all of this neurochemical soup that's going Mm. on. So it's nature's way of really like intoxicating you. And so... That way you go for it, you know, when you meet somebody appealing. So 
idealization in that phase of the relationship, it's our body is not designed to have those neurochemicals kind of continue to swirl around. So we'll talk like and move into it. It's not sustainable. It is not sustainable. Uh-huh. And, you know, we make two, we make a lot of mistakes, quite honestly, in that, that first phase of the relationship. It can't go on forever. So how about for you all? Let's stick to the marriages that we're in now. How, mm-hmm. Avery said you, you met John in person mm-hmm. and you've been married together for a while. What were your first impressions of each other? What were your first impressions? So of John? John, John and I met because we lived, it's like a really sweet story. Actually, we lived across the hall from each other in our apartment complex. And so really like I, I met him when I was moving in and I remember just kind of like, Oh, Hey, hey there. And then <laughs> like we, it was a few months later that we really like met, like started dating. Mm-hmm. And, and I do remember that. I mean, I remember just like almost I couldn't contain myself. I was so excited. Of course, we lived across the hall from each other. So I could hear when he got home. And I was like, Ooh, <laughs> like I just remember that. Like I'm even smiling and feeling kind of giddy right now. Like, like it was, it was that it was so exciting. It was kind of anxiety provoking. Cause like, is it, you know, is he going to call? Is he going to, are we going to get together? You know, kind of wondering what was going to yeah. happen, which was a little little bit kind of on edge, but it was mostly like positive, enjoyable excitement. Yeah. Yeah. And I love that term even like falling in love because it does feel kind of out of control. I mean, you do kind of feel like you're falling. Mm -hmm. Like it's not really like a measured, calculated step by step. It's a fall is probably a good way of describing it. Yeah. How about you, Lucy? How did you meet Brent? So we met after college and some of my friends from high school met some of his friends from college at like an out-of-town wedding. And they all put together that, oh, we all live in Dallas, so we should all hang out together. And so we had, we'd gone to the same college, but he was a few years above me. And I'm sure that our paths cross, but I don't think the timing was right. So it's interesting because you talk about that sense of falling and obsession. And I think I'd had that in a lot of other relationships, but I, I didn't with Brent, right? So we had this like the first maybe six or seven months we dated, we would like go out maybe once a week, once every other week. But he would always just ask me out like in the middle of a week, like a Wednesday night, like you want to go to dinner. <laughs> right? and, like maybe our paths would cross on the weekends because we'd be out with friends, but he never asked me out. I was still dating other people, right? And then we kind of reached a point where I was like, I let's like break this off. Like, I don't actually, I think it was New Year's and he saw me kiss someone else at like midnight. And he was like, whoa, like, <laughs> maybe I need to get a little more serious about this. So we did that for a few months. And I was like, you know what? I don't think this is right. And then I was so sad. Mm. Right. And just hit with the sense of like, okay, maybe there's more there than what I thought. So it was a very different kind of yeah. experience. And then a few months after that, we went on a trip to Baton Rouge for a friend's, like an engagement party for a friend. And we were just so compatible, right? So it was a very different yeah. experience. Someone like, oh, this is someone I could really do life with. Like, we just get mm-hmm. along well. It's easy. It's easy to kind of be with. Really it's like him. I think he's a great guy. So it's a bit yeah. of a different experience. Yeah. yeah. Well, and I think my experience from both of you is also a little bit yeah. different in that I will say we moved fast and furiously. <laughs> so I I noticed Robert first. We worked at a restaurant together down in Southeast Texas where I'm from. And I didn't know that he actually was working there. And we had actually been working there for a while because I was front of the house. I was a server and he was a dishwasher in the back. And so if any of you have worked in a restaurant business, business. A lot of times the dishwashing area, you don't actually see the person that's washing the dishes because all the racks where you put the dishes are in the way. And so I noticed him one day, he was helping out the bartender. He was coming in and wheeling like this big dolly, like full of beer. And he was like sweaty and had this white t-shirt on. And I was like, asked one of the best boys, it's like, who's that? Um, uh, And they said, oh, that's Wilson, which 
I didn't realize that was his last name, which is my <laughs> last name, because they, I guess, all just call each other by their last names. And I was like, oh, where's he been? And they're like, he's the dishwasher. I'm like, oh, okay. So then, yeah, when I went back to drop off dirty dishes, I was like, hey, and how are you? And then like kind of walked away. And the lady that makes the salads, her name was Delta, which I appreciate her for like waking Robert up because he was so focused on what he was doing. She's like, I think she might kind of like you or something. He was like, oh, okay. <laughs> Look alive. Yeah, here, brother. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. So that is how we met. And so from the day that we met, six months later, we were married. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> so it was very, very Quick. fast, very fast and and furious. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. I remember when he asked me out shortly thereafter, Delta, Uh you know, shook him alive. He was quite nervous. He called me out. (laughs) Yeah, he he called me out and behind the the restaurant and I could tell like he was going to ask me out. It was very, very sweet, but he he seemed kind of nervous and I was just like, yeah, of course. (laughs) Let's go. Let's go out. Mm -hmm. That's awesome. Yeah. I love that. So yeah, all kinds of, you know, you can move through that first part of the relationship in all kinds of different ways, obviously. And so at some point, though, this person that you find is the funniest, smartest, like sexiest person alive will inevitably do something that makes them unsmart, unfunny, not very sexy. Okay, so this part is what's called the fall from grace. (laughs) And so it calls kind of this idealization that you've been having into question. So how about for for all of you, like, you know, if they've been kind of on a on a pedestal for a little bit and you start getting together, start getting to know each other. What about all of you? How did your initial impressions of your partners pan out? Let's see. One thing that just came to my mind is John John and I are very compatible. He is a wonderful fit for me. But I remember there was that whoosh excitement. Oh, sorry, I just hit my microphone. I'm like getting excited thinking about it. But but I remember one time we, I, maybe it was birthdays because John is in a big family. He's the fifth of five children and I'm in a smaller family. I'm the oldest of two children. And so in my family, birthdays were like a national holiday. And in John's family, they were not. In fact, John's oldest, older brother, like next in line, his birthday is the day after John's. And so it was like, you get this day and you get a cake and like, you're good to go. Mm-hmm. I, that is not how I was brought up. <laughs> it's like birthday month. Yeah. Right. You have like a birthday chair, a birthday breakfast, a birthday love. Like there's, as I think that might've been the beginning of just like, oh, like this is different. Like mm-hmm. my birthday is, you know, not, I think we ordered pizza. I was like, <laughs> um, this isn't the way we do birthdays. <laughs> Where's my extravaganza? Where is my <laughs> extravaganza? I don't feel like we canceled work for the day. Like what has happened? But I, I remember that kind of, and I think it was more just like an awareness of like, oh, this is really different. But I do remember that being like, Huh. Okay. This is this is not the way that I expected it to go. Yeah. How about for you, Lucy? Do you remember any sort of like fall from grace that 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 Brent had <laughs> for you? Well, no. I mean, I, I think that it was. I mean, there was a, just that like back and forth uh-huh. at yeah. the beginning, and so maybe we like wrestled with that a little earlier. Yeah. Right. Mm. And I, I laugh because I dated people before and always convinced like this is going to be the one. But yeah. mm-hmm. with Brent, I remember saying to people like, I don't know where this is headed, but this is not the one. <laughs> right. Like, so I mean, oh. 
<laughs> I have no idea what I want and need, right? Clearly. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And I would say for us, you know, it, it can come in a whole lot of this fall from grace can can come from a lot of different places. It could be like an actual first fight. It could mm-hmm. be you're going through like maybe a potential crisis together. And I think for Robert and I, because we had such little time really getting getting to know each other, I mean, there was really a really huge adjustment. And although our families have some similarities, his family was very, very, very different from what I had really been exposed to. So there was definitely some disagreements around him going to kind of help his family out when we were really trying to Mm. stabilize our position as a couple and as our own family unit. And so there were some kind of round and rounds about that. So I had this great counselor once during like premarital counseling, and they were talking about this, this kind of process that happens when you put down your family of origins banner and pick up your family, like your marriage family's banner. And that that can be, I love this idea of like, you've got like, for me, my maiden name is McManus. Like I had my McManus banner and I had to kind of put that down and be like my McManus Honig banner, kind of pick that up. And there is like that push pull around that. But for most of us, there's nothing explicit about that process. No, right. Does that make sense? That's right. How much easier would it be if we would kind of talk about this and prepare for this? I think for me, the adjustment to kind of being married and living with someone was kind of hard. Yeah. Right? Like it's a very different kind of rhythm and what's this going to be like? And my parents have a great marriage, but there were things I wanted to be different. Like my mom does everything. I think partly it's a generational thing, but I was like, I'll be damned like if I'm doing it all. (laughs) Right? And so then maybe you like go a little too far to the other side. Right? And so how to to navigate that, but how cool to be like, okay, what's our banner going to be like? Yeah. Which one am I putting down? I think, I think, that is very similar to like having your first baby. It's supposed to be this joy filled, filled time and it is. And there's a lot difficult. of other things. There's a lot know. of other things too. And I think we don't really do a very good job of talking about that first year of marriage or that first year yeah. of being a parent of, as it being both and. And I think, yeah, it would be nice to talk more about that. Yeah. And Jamie, I don't know where you're headed with all this, but I'm also struck to you of the idealization, the fall from grace. My memory's just shit. So I don't necessarily remember all the details at the beginning, but I will say I think that same pattern repeats over and over again. Yeah, I can't even think of the last week, the past year, where we have like moments of idealization. We have fall from graces, right? Like it happens. Yeah, I I know. I fall from grace, right? For sure. Yeah, for sure. I mean, and and that's that's the thing. It's normal and it's inevitable that we're going to go through these phases. But if you can get to sort of that other side of that, like Mm. quote unquote, fall from grace, that's where you get really into the committed Mm -hmm. love, that authentic committed love. And that is a really amazing chapter. That is is wonderful. And so in that chapter, you get to be imperfect and show each other like, hey, we're we're mm. worthy of love with all of our imperfections. And, you know, it's different. Like, you know, I mentioned the neurochemicals in the brain that happen in the early phases. But when you get to this place of committed love, you have other neurochemicals that, mm. that come around, oxytocin, vasopressin, those help us feel safe and trusted and trusting. And there's really just this deep attachment bond when you Mm. get to this particular place. And I think that, you know, people in this chapter really get the benefits of of security, but also at the same time, you can kind of struggle to have passion from time to time Mm. and novelty and play. Those Mm -hmm. kinds of things can can be a challenge after you're with someone for so long. Mm -hmm. Did any of the things that attracted you to your partners turn out to be challenges later on? Uh huh. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yes. I mean, so one of the things that I did find and continue to find 
so attractive about John is how motivated he is and how hardworking he is. I mean, he is a very, very hard worker. Yes. And that continues to be something that is very attractive to me. And it's been something to balance. I mean, he works really hard. He has a really, you know, taxing kind of job. And as we're, you know, managing childcare or managing household responsibilities, like that's something that has to be navigated around. And I've, I think I've had differing relationships with that. I think it was super attractive when I first met him of like, oh, you're so driven, you're so motivated. It's wonderful now that, you know, we are provided for in a very wonderful way. And it's meant that some responsibilities have come to me that I wasn't maybe expecting or have had to try to navigate. So I think I've gone from like super grateful to super resentful to super grateful to like somewhere in between. You <laughs> right. know what I mean? Like, so that that is definitely I've had a, a fluctuating relationship with that. Let me say let me say that. Yeah. yeah, I think too, as you were talking earlier, I was thinking this idea of this committed phase. And I think what's been helpful for me is thinking of love as more of a verb rather yes. than a feeling. Mm. Right. Because yes. I, th- I do think that we get ourselves into trouble, right? Because there's this expectation, almost this myth we have about what a relationship should be like. It should be easy. It should always feel good. They should know exactly what I want and need. Mm-hmm. Right. Like, and I think that the reality is it's not always like that. Right. And so, how do we kind of reframe what we're expecting yeah. and hoping for and how we show up for that? I love that love is a verb. And I, I think another way I've heard that described, or one thing what John and I will say is that it's a decision. It's a decision to be married. And I think you could say it's a decision to be in a relationship. And we, we joke, but it's true. It's, sometimes it's a decision that you make like every second of every day that I'm going to decide how to handle this second in a way that stays married versus steps away. But I think you're right. It is an ongoing process, an ongoing decision, an ongoing like a verb versus just like final a feeling. Yeah, yeah you got it. feeling yeah. you should have yeah. all the time. I think absolutely. You make decisions all the time, mm-hmm. like throughout the day. Am I going to turn towards my partner or am I turning away mm-hmm. from my partner? And there's a whole host of ways that we can do either one of those mm-hmm. things, which we'll talk about in, in later podcasts. But uh, I think, yes, for for me... I'll just share, you know, I think Robert is a pretty funny individual. I think he has a good, good sense of humor. But after you've been married for almost 24 years, you have a tendency to hear the same jokes over and over again. Yes. Yeah. And so if I have to hear one more time, you know, when we're out eating in a restaurant and he put hands on the credit card and he says, well, if this doesn't work, let me know and I'll give you another. I mean, he <laughs> says that all the time or when we're at the grocery store or wherever you pay with a credit card, I have to hear that. And I just kind of like shake my head and, and roll my eyes but yes like Brent's the, the jokes no- i laugh are like like 13 year old boy yeah. i'm like oh here <laughs> no. we go like right there uh-huh. and i have a 12 year old boy uh-huh. and he and robert i'm like y'all cannot i am eating please quit right. talking <laughs> about what you're talking about no more bathroom humor right now uh-huh. that is a big a big thing in the house but yes oh, that's funny so i don't know if i have any particular do try this at home since we're just kind of getting into this topic of of healthy relationships. But how about how about for you all? I think one of the things and we're going to talk about Lucy, when you leave the, the podcast here in a couple of episodes, we'll talk about ideas and, and preconceptions and expectations that we have um, about our partners. And I would just say one of the things is, is be mindful of those. See if you can examine any ideas that you have about love relationships and having a partner, because these ideas are what you bring to the table and they will play a role in the relationship. So that's a big 
do try this at home for me. How about from either one of you? Anything that comes to I mind? Think, I, I love that, Jamie, that you're helping to get some information out there about this. Because I think a lot of times what I see in my practice and even in my own life is when that like infatuation part starts to wear off, you can think there's something wrong. Yes. Right. Versus knowing that that's just part of it. And then when the like novelty wears off and it feels more comfortable, again, you can think something's wrong. And I think just kind of to your point, Lucy, that you're making, like, it'd be nice to know and to talk about these things. Like marriage is wonderful and it can be really hard. It can be both. Right. And, and that's what I'm, I'm really excited about the rest of this series is that just trying to give that information so that things can not necessarily be like an alarm bell. They can be almost like anticipated. Um, I think would be good. Jamie, I know you mentioned before we started recording that these are often questions you'll ask a couple when you start working with them mm-hmm. in marital therapy. And when I did some couples counseling training in graduate school, like those were the same questions like, tell us about the start of your relationship. What attracted you to each other? And I think, I guess my do try this would at home would be for people, if you're in a rough spot, like ask yourself those questions. Yeah. Think back to the beginning. And I think that, that that can help shift our affect and help us remember things in a different place, right? There's seasons and phases and sometimes connecting with some of that good stuff can just be informative and helpful. Absolutely. I think that's great. Well, so next week, we're going to continue on with part two of um, today's topic about healthy relationships and zero in on some of the key components to having a healthy, committed relationship. So thanks so much. We look forward to seeing you soon. Thank you for joining us for this episode. Subscribe to Inspiration from the Couch wherever you access your podcasts. We always welcome your feedback. Visit us on our website at inspirationfromthecouch.com. Inspiration from the Couch.